0: welcome to the books that make us better podcast my name is kayla joe we have made it to is this officially season three is this is this season 2.5 what are we doing
1: well i don't know it's like a special edition special Special, episode
0: special edition episode my name is kayla joe
1: i'm megan i'm lydia and i'm jesse
0: and we have a very special guest hello debbie
2: Hi, thanks for having oh. me. I'm so excited to be here. It's like
0: 30. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really excited to have you here. Uh-huh. And you are, explain to the people listening exactly how you describe what you do because you'll be able to describe it so much more eloquently than I will.
2: Well, I am a body relationship coach, um, which means that I help women make peace with their body. Um, And also oftentimes we end up exploring their relationship to food and exercise because I think that our culture has a lot of um, sort of implied expectations on what women should be doing for their body around food and exercise. So um, yeah, in a nutshell, I help women make peace with their body. Um, Even if it's something that they're learning to love, you can make peace with it while you're angry at it.
0: We believe the power to change lives is within
3: ourselves. We believe with the right attitude, anything can be accomplished. We believe the amount of knowledge and insight available is limitless.
1: But we don't think life should be taken too seriously.
3: Books that make us better. An alpha media podcast.
0: So how was this something you ever decided to do or get into?
2: Yeah. um, Well, I was raised by a mom who she's 71 and she still has an eating disorder. Um, so she raised both my sister and I to have eating disorders. Um, and it's not something you outgrow because she's 71 and she still is struggling with it. So I, um, I was put on my first preventative diet at the age of six. Which kind of blows my mind because my daughter is six and a half and she doesn't know what a diet is. Um, and so, um, so by the time I was in high school, I had a full-fledged eating disorder. And I got really fortunate in that I started working with a therapist and a dietitian really young, and I got rid of that eating disorder behavior, but I didn't just start liking my body. So that um, you know, every so I was eating, but I was sort of ashamed of everything I was eating or everything was a decision of like, Oh my God, is this even worth it? Am I, am I going to, am I going to regret this? What is this going to do to my body? So when I was in my twenties, I had what I thought was a really fantastic idea. And I became a personal trainer. Um, and I was like, this will be great. People will pay me and I'll just stay thin. And I had a very different reaction only because I had so many women come to me, different shape sizes, all sorts, and just asking me to fix parts of their body. Um, and I remember thinking, well, when are they going to notice that like my stomach doesn't look right? And that's when I sort of had the realization that feeling like your body is broken is not a symptom of your body being broken. Feeling like your body is broken is a symptom of the broken culture that we live in. I have yet Mm -hmm. to meet a woman who isn't in some way, shape or form apologizing for her body um, and trying to fix it. And so if we recognize that, oh, feeling like it's broken isn't isn't a symptom of it being broken, then do we have to take the steps to fix it, which also sort of keep us in this perpetual war with it, right? Of like, oh, it's not good enough for this, or oh, I shouldn't be giving it that. Um, And so if we recognize that it's a battle we can't win, then then it's like, do we have to play along? Um, Or can we just sort of make peace with ourselves and I don't know, be nicer to ourselves. And can we still be frustrated with parts of our body? Um, You know, I always really liken it to a, a, a relationship with your body is like a relationship with a partner. And I always use the example of my husband, and he hates this example. Um, but I think, I think he's very sexy. He's a hands-on dad. Um, sometimes he cooks. He's great. But he's, like, super shitty at waking up in the morning. It's like I have a third child. And, like, I – I hate him in the mornings. I hate him in the mornings. He's like, (laughs) is like dragging him out of bed. Um, And I still think we have a really good relationship. Uh, And I spent a long time of our relationship trying to turn him into a morning person. And it just left me really angry and unsatisfied. And when I finally sort of recognized, okay, he's not gonna be a morning person. We stopped fighting as much. And now I don't hate the mornings quite as much, right? Because now I've set myself up to like, okay, he's not, he's going to sleep in later than me, which means I know what I need to do to make myself feel good in the morning. Um, and I kind of think that that's how we should feel about our bodies. Uh, that's how I'd like to help you feel about my, your body. I There are definitely parts of my body that are not my favorite. They would be the equivalent of my husband being a shitty morning person. Um, <laughs> but I don't have to, I no longer have to fight them, right? I can just be like, okay, well, you're there and we can agree to be different types of things and sort of (laughs) you know (laughs) sort of it's it's been much more peaceful put it that way i
1: love that analogy that you put forward because i definitely am coming into this thinking like okay we're like thinking about our bodies positively and like i mean this is a whole movement anyway and like everybody's already starting to do this and i'm just trying to put my head into that headspace and then, like, definitely I have that thought of, like, okay, but can we, like, still dislike things? Because, like, or do we just have to love every part of us? So I'm Honestly, happy that you I put think it that way.
2: I think it's something that's wrong. I think it's something that's wrong with the body positive. I love body positivity. I believe, I, I consider myself to be a body positive person. And I think what the movement is missing is just like um, all the diet culture ads show you, like, a snippet of someone where they're like, I can eat anything. And then you see this, like, Skinny person who is wearing a yoga outfit, taking a giant bite of something that you're like, oh my god, I could never. You know, just like it gives you like this snippet. Um, I think that the body positive photos give you a snippet, and so you end up looking at the body positive photos that you see, and you're you're looking at the women on Instagram, and maybe you like their body more than you, maybe you like their body less than yours, but either way, you're looking at them, and you're like, well, she's confident what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel like that? And the truth is, is that I've had some of those body positive uh, models call me saying, oh my God, I hated my picture in the last ad or this or that or the other. So I think that what we have to remember is that you can't, you can love your body and be frustrated in it. it and have all of the feelings. I think having a real relationship with your body is having all of the feelings. So yes, I want you to feel positive about your body, but I don't think I don't think positivity 100% of the time is remotely realistic. I think it's setting us up to just have one more thing that we are failing to accomplish. And since I already don't have the six pack abs and my breasts already hang lower than I would like to, I would like to at least be good at liking the parts of me that I don't like. You follow what Anything Yeah. by that. So there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And you saying like um, being too positive can be. Sorry, like counterintuitive. That's like the whole, like talking about toxic positivity and like just embracing life the way it is. Sorry for clearing my
2: throat. Sorry, Kayla. I can't. Let's let's stop apologizing for your body, okay? Your (laughs) your throat needs clearing right now. And <laughs> let's just make a space for the fact that it needs that at the moment. Okay, so um, it's totally fine. Do you Please. find
0: <laughs> that men have any, like, do you ever work with men or do you exclusively work with women?
2: I, I, uh, I, I have had men uh, ask about it. The thing I think I think that what I do can apply across the board. That being said, I think that if we're looking at our culture, I think our culture has very different expectations on what success looks like for a woman and what success looks like for a man. And I think, um, I think that our culture, um, and this is not something that I like about it, but I do think it's something that is, that is true about it. I think our culture puts a lot of value on what a woman looks like. So, um, that's why you've got all these women who are working full time, but still trying to like make it to the gym and then they have to cook and then they feel so ashamed when they get takeout because, oh my God, but they were working 60 hours this week. Whereas, um, you know, because so much of it is wrapped into the image. Um, and we live in a culture where for women, beauty is currency, um, and we diminish in value as we get older. So, um, which is, which then I always talk about sort of that is the truth of the, of the culture that we live in, but that doesn't have to be our truth as women. So I think that, um, you know, I, I have definitely spoken to some men about working with, but, and men have struggles with their body. I think we all do. And it is not nearly as much of the way they are quantifying themselves and putting themselves into society of value. So as a woman, we feel like if we can't, and this is a generalization, but so much of it is like, well, not only do I need to be successful, but I need to look like I'm caring for myself and I need to eat properly. And all of these things go into my value as a woman, whereas men, if you look at them biologically, like their value is tied to can they provide and do they have good sperm like all this different stuff and then if they're attractive it's kind of the icing on the cake right like, like nobody they, doesn't want to be attractive
1: even even they just started like trying to make the fucking dad bod happen
2: and like oh my gosh i was just thinking
1: that what the hell why do men get yeah. to have dad bods and mom's get to snap back like i'm sorry yeah. but go fuck yourself Please, well it's all the it's, way off it's
2: unrealistic it's unrealistic expectations and it's been so interesting as i've been sort of studying over as i've been studying what um body expectations over the years have been for women so much of it is wrapped around men's desire so for a while and i'm sure you've heard this before like it was considered uh attractive for a woman to be to have what we would call more meat on her bones because it actually as much as there was more fat and more curves and more dimples and rolls it was a sign that her husband was a good provider so he was able to feed her past the point of necessity so she she was a good representation of him and then when the skinny, when the skinny, when the skinny thing came around, um, that was, I want to say it was in the twenties, although I might be like mistaking some of my history and I apologize. Don't you can quote me, but like, don't quote me on, like, I'm, I'm saying right here that I'm not positive what year it was, but that was when, um, when the sign of wealth and prosperity for men became being so wealthy that your wife didn't have to be, didn't have to work at all. So she didn't even have to be strong enough to like provide for herself or move for herself. So this like skinny frail woman came in. And it's just so interesting to me how now as I work with women and I believe we're you know, I work with feminists and I work with these strong women and how we're still sort of chasing after some of these body ideals that were put in at a time that's just insane to me. It's like, if we knew why we were, if we knew what we were chasing after, I think we'd I think we'd rethink it. But nobody does know what we're chasing after or how it got there or why it's there or why they feel the shame that they feel or that anybody else feels the shame. They just, I think there's something about when you feel shame, you kind of keep it to yourself in a hope that nobody knows about it. And the truth is, is I think if we, if we talked about it, we would realize, oh, this shame is, again, a symptom of the culture, right? This shame is not a reflection on me. This is a reflection on what's wrong around us. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. It's definitely So
2: share your shame ladies, share your shame.
1: totally share a quiet it. shame. <laughs>
2: yeah. And like it's I totally wrote quiet th- shame.
1: I wrote this in our in our thingy, um our little outline. But I have this is a thing that like I struggle with is like rewarding myself for like if I work out or if I feel like I've done like a good week of workout, like I'm going to reward myself with some kind of food. So I know I have mm-hmm. that relationship. With food. And I'm, I know I'm not alone in that. And like being like, no, you're absolutely not. Uh, so there's my shame. I, there's way more than that, but like, I'm whatever. I know I have a crazy relationship with food and it is what it is.
2: Well, but (laughs) I think we do things. What I, we absolutely do things. And I would just encourage you and say that, Um, I think so many of us have have kind of written off like, oh, well, I have a bad relationship with food, but it's too late for me. Um, You can completely redo – you can go to couples therapy for your relationship with food. You can redo this. And I will also say you can – like identifying the problem is the first step. So the fact that you have already identified that you have a reward-based system around exercise and food, I can't tell you how long I work with people to help them identify that. So cool. So we know now that you've got a reward-based system around exercise and food. So let's take a step back and say, okay, so how is this reward-based system? Obviously, you see the obvious downfalls, right? You're like, oh, it's a reward and then it's punishment and then I'm good and then yes. I'm bad and we see all of that. But yes. how does this reward-based system also propel you in other times to not do the caring for yourself that you might need most in that moment, right? Because, um, because when we have this very, like, all or nothing or reward-based mentality, um, it tends to be, well, I already wasn't good this week. And the truth is, is that I could really use like 60 minutes on the treadmill of running and just zoning mm. out. And I could really, really use that. But I was bad yesterday and I'm probably gonna be bad tomorrow. And then I'm gonna have pizza. So I might as well just skip it. And if it's not around, if when we when we remove like, oh, I need to do this because this is what it looks like to be a good woman. Or I need mm. to do this because my body needs this. Then we're actually able to listen to what our body really needs um, because I think sometimes we can actually neglect it. I know everybody is like, well, exercise is really good for you and, and you know, greens are really good for you. And yes. And sometimes you need to sit on the couch and veg and sometimes you need an ice cream sundae. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're sitting on the couch and vegging and going, Oh man, I don't even need to do this. I'm just doing it because I did this yesterday, which then, then set me up to do it again today because I believe that I'm going to keep being bad until the weekend. And so Um, yes, thank you for pointing out it is, it's a complicated relationship with food, but it's not, um, it, that it's not, it's not written off, right? Like you could explore it. You could get to know it. You could get to figure out what part of it is really, really comforting to you. What part of not having to think about like what, what feels as much as we don't like the idea of being bad and we want to be good. What feels comforting to you? around knowing that if you're bad, you just get to keep being bad, right? And don't really have to worry about being good for at least 24 more hours, because that's when you're going to start calculating again. Mm -hmm. Like we get to start to have a conversation with that. Um, And then you might find that you can keep a lot of your food behaviors and just start doing them in more satisfying ways. Like we're not looking to get rid of foods and we're not looking to get rid of um, exercise. We're just looking to not feel the guilt and shame around it. Right. So
1: it wasn't Sorry. me. That was wasn't me. I that
2: would like
0: Hazel. to say that I have a very complicated relationship with tree shaped Reese's. shaped Reese's I can't stop. And <laughs> so I'm trying to work them into my life. Maybe just once a day, maybe just once a day.
2: So, can I help you with
0: this? I would love, well, yes, I okay. mostly would love this, but all right. okay, cool. I do really love them. So. so no, no,
2: no, I'm actually not gonna, um, I've not taken them away from you at all. Um, I have never tried these tree shaped Reese's. Um, what it are. Do they, do they taste different than the regular? Yes. No, trees. no,
1: no, they don't. They're yes, just they bigger. Do. No, no, they're
2: not.
0: Not. first of all the peanut butter is whipped differently i can tell second no. of all there is a different chocolate to peanut butter ratio okay Jessie, i'll give you
1: that Jessie, i'll give you what that are you,
0: say words jesse because right now you're shaking your head i need you to communicate with your <laughs> mouth
1: this is a podcast they, they are... only hear us <laughs> they are very very different things yes. and tree-shaped Chef also, I'm gonna go. I'm going a step further and saying the eggs are better than the trees, so wait for Easter. Here oh, we go. Oh. oh, wow! The trees okay. are for Christmas, they're Christmas trees. It's, I I get it, but the chocolate to peanut butter ratio is different. No, on the eggs I know. I was on the trees. I know. I was insisting, Debbie, is the whipped is Debbie, oh, peanut butter was, the same? though? I was thinking, no, Debbie might be the thinking same. they look There's like no, an no, oak it's tree. Not the same.
0: No, 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 I mean between the trees and the eggs.
1: Um, uh, no, I feel like there's more peanut butter in the eggs. Really? Yeah.
0: But what's the peanut butter consistency? Is it as whippy? No, it's the, the same. Are... I just
1: think there's like less like chocolate.
0: Comment oh, okay. that the
1: wheels have currently fallen off.
2: Oh, this wasn't on the outline. We got to go. <laughs> <by>.
1: Hello.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, these trees sound delicious and, oh, so um, and I will definitely look for, such Reese's trees. No, um, perhaps they just haven't hit the West coast yet. Um, but we are definitely doing Reese's right now. My kids got a bunch of Reese's for uh, Halloween and the whole thing. So we definitely do Reese's in this house. Yeah. Um, but um, so what I'm going to say is going to sound a little, uh, weird possibly but I want you to go with me and then I'm going to talk you through this and perhaps we can actually get you all the races that you want so what we're going to talk about right now is we're going to talk about lifting restrictions on races yes and then and then we're going to talk about you're going to hear things especially with the holidays coming up you're going to hear people say stuff like well you can have it you can just have it in moderation and that's totally true except for who decides what moderation is right moderation can be different for everyone so when you Except when you take on the, well, I can have it, but I can only have it in moderation, you're actually still enforcing restrictions, right? Because then you have to ask yourself, well, what is moderation, right? So I'm going to say something radical. I'm going to say something crazy. I'm going to say, as much as you want, like your instincts are right when you're like, I can have them once a day. I just want, instead of it only being once a day, I want it to, you can have Reese's all day long for every meal if you want to. Now, you're probably as much as that. like, sounds like, well, she doesn't know what she's asking for and done and done. At some point you're going to get to the point where the novelty wears off. So whenever we initially lift restrictions, there is this, this inclination to binge because there's been restrictions. And so what a restriction puts in place is I shouldn't have this. And so if I'm going to have this, I should either have it all and get it out of the house so I don't have time to have it or have a chance to have it Uh. tomorrow. Or, or it's like, well, I'm being bad. And then it's that, it's that slope. You start just sliding down, right? You're like, well, I've already been bad. So I might as well just, I'm not really hungry, but I'll just have some ice cream too. And then, oh my God, you know, I made some whipped cream and like, I really shouldn't, but, and then you start eating a whole bunch of food that you're really not that interested in, but you're being bad. And then we end up saying, well, I was going to work out, but then I was already bad. So maybe I'll just eat this today. And then tomorrow I'll just have a salad and I'll go to the gym. And so we've created this like restriction mentality. You all are nodding because I just blew your mind and read your It's really
1: weird because I feel like you've been watching me through my windows, but I know you're not in Iowa. So can you please stop doing that?
2: So, So with that in mind, What I want you to do, and it's going to sound scary, and you have to recognize that feeling scared doesn't mean that anything bad can happen. I said that to my six year old at the end of Moana when, like, the monster pops up and she's scared. And I was like, You can be scared of the monster, and that monster isn't actually going to hurt you. So you are going to lift restrictions. You're going to go out, you're going to buy a Costco size bag of those Christmas trees and you're just going to sit and you're going to stare at them. You stare at the Reese's and every time you want to have one and you, and you're you're about to go for it and you hear that voice that's like, no, you shouldn't. You're going to go, Oh, restriction. And then you're going to eat one. All right. (laughs) And, and it's going to be scary and you're going to start to think, oh my God, what am I doing? And if you're anything like me, you're going to start to become more, I get personally, I'm self-conscious about the midsection. So like if I'm eating a food that feels out of my comfort zone, I'm suddenly far more aware of my waistband or like, oh, is my, did my bra just get tighter? Like, did I, did I just like, did I just swell in the, in the ribs? Like those are the things you're going to start to notice. Right. But if we know that going in again, these are symptoms of a broken culture. A, a broken culture tells you that if you have some Reese's, your stomach is going to start to expand and your boobs are going to explode out of your shirt. So that's the <laughs> symptom, right? But, but it's not actually true. So you're going to sit in the discomfort. And then at some point, you know, the truth is, is that our bodies fluctuate every single day anyway. And if you were, I, I don't personally get on a scale. Cause I, I, I don't I don't think the number would do anything good for me. Um, And that's as a woman who who does this for a living, I still think I would be triggered by the scale because I think depending on different times of day or different stress levels or whatever, the scale is going to say something different. So it is totally fine if your scale goes up and down. Your body has a size that it wants to be We don't always like the size that our body wants to be, which is why so many women are like fighting for that last five, 10, 15, maybe even 20 pounds or like, I can just do this. There's a reason that your body keeps coming back to that point, but, all right, I know I've said a lot of scary stuff, so stick with me for one more minute, but if you accept that like, this is it, like I, I don't actually get a say in what my body looks like. I was born to be honest, recognizing now I recognize I was born with thin privilege. Every time I ever thought I was fat, I was totally wrong. Um, this is my body. There are parts of it that are not as tight or toned as I would like them to be, but I don't get a say in what the shape of my body is. Then I don't have to hold the guilt for eating those Reese's trees because the Reese's trees are not the reason that my boobs poke out under my armpits. That's just what my boobs do, right? So, like, I can eat the Reese's trees with without the guilt and know that it's not really it's not really up to me, right? So, I'm gonna suggest that you lift restrictions, um, and it's gonna be scary, and there's going to probably be a time where you're like I'm eating too much chocolate and that's okay and when we lift restrictions long enough the 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 dazzle starts to wear off right so um i can't tell you how many nights my husband and I, before we were married, we lived like a block away from Whole Foods. And um, and so that like at like 9.55, because it closes at 10, one of us would look at the other one and be like, do you want to go get a cookie? Oh, I kind of want to go get a cookie. Do you want a cookie? <laughs> I want a cookie. No, we don't need a cookie. We should. Anyway, and I can't tell you how many times I did what I call eating around a craving or eating around a food, which is that um, I was like, no, I shouldn't. And so then I'd go into the fridge and I would be like, I really want something. So I'd get some fruit. But guess what? When you want a cookie, you know what's not fucking satisfying? is fruit. So then I'd have some yogurt, but that's not fun. And it kind of tastes like breakfast, but then maybe I was looking for something crunchy and that's why, because so then I'd open up the pantry and then I'd have some pretzels. And by the time you know it, I've had way more calories than a cookie would have been. I feel gross. I'm completely unsatisfied. I still want a cookie and I haven't, it's, it's like, it's just a completely failed situation. So go have your Reese's, I have cookies all the time Um, when, when COVID hit my, like, my comfort was I baked cookies all the time. And every night after the kids would go to bed, I'd have cookies and ice cream. Um, And at some point they stopped helping, (laughs) which was like both great and bad, you know, but like all of a sudden, the cookies didn't have the power in the situation. I had the power in the situation. And then they were just a tool I got to use to feel better.
0: I will say that I was secretly hoping you were going to tell me to eat Reese's until I puked, and I would have been willing to do that. But this is also a great alternative.
1: Um, Um, I'd like to um, be in your experiment when you do it, please and thanks, because I also have an issue with the Reese's. Come on over.
2: I'm going to need to be
1: there when you buy your Costco size bag.
2: All lift Reese's restrictions. I mean, and with the holidays coming, if we think about it, like there's built in restrictions with some of these foods because Mm. like for Thanksgiving, there's some foods that even though, even though we could have them all year, nobody's going to make like a giant Turkey and stuffing and cornbread and all the stuff that goes with it all year. And so Ha, like, have you heard yourself say, well, I'll be fine. I just, I just need to eat everything in moderation. Have you heard yourself say that?
1: Not yet. Oh, wow. yeah.
2: She's Not coming.
1: yet? She's coming.
2: <laughs> We're doing an early Thanksgiving. So it has happened yeah. for me. Um, so my parents brought a, um, a step on piano. So that's happening. <laughs> I did it's think great. I heard, a, I thought I heard something
1: that sounded like an organ. So yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm here yeah, for that. It's, yeah. Can you still hear it with the door Mm-mm. closed? No. No. Okay, cool. No. Um, It's just me then. Just I get to hear it. Um, so that's good.
0: So this is on topic, off topic. But I saw this okay. TikTok tick, the other day. And it's it was one of those, like, really simple sentences that was kind of mind-blowing. But it was this gal, and she was looking in the mirror. And she's just like, this is my reminder to you that you don't have to hate your body.
2: And I was like, you don't. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I think society drills up, like just drills it into yeah. us.
2: I think it drills it and I think that it like as much as our society, yes, I think it drills it and and I think our society is like, "But love yourself," but it like only totally. sets you up to hate yourself. Okay. And so, you know, I've got I've got women that I work with of all sizes and like tiny to big and they all feel the same exact way um so it's not the size of their body that's making them feel this way it's just a way women feel we're we're programmed to feel this way and i think we're programmed really early um that's an interesting point Can we
1: talk about um i put this on the list but i find this very fucking annoying um how like clothing sizes change between brands and totally. Like, you can't like you think you're a size whatever and then you go somewhere else and suddenly you're bigger and then you're all self conscious about it. And like, absolutely. Like the, we are set up for disaster constantly.
0: I have one more thing to add to that. So yeah. then I saw this ad that was like, it's this company out of Canada, which kudos to them. I get it. It's a small business, whatever that you send them like your measurements and they help you pick out jeans that are made specifically for your body type. Oh wow. Which for me would be super. And for a lot of other people would be really handy because I have a smaller waist and then I'm a little bit bigger through the hips. And so sometimes it's hard for me to find jeans that like, either it fits my thighs and my hips and it's way too big in my waist mm-hmm. or like vice versa. So I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. So I go to this um, website and they're $200 a pair oh my gosh. and I was like, Oh yeah.
2: Well, what, what I mean, you, you, it's, it's interesting because I think that in order to love, like learn to love our bodies, we don't, again, we don't have to love everything about our body to love our body. But I do think that one of the things we have to do in order to make peace with our body is come to terms with not, not, yes, make peace, like come to terms with the fat phobia in our culture, which is very much there with the sizes. I mean, even um, I think everybody here, I would say, is is of thin privilege. We're all women who, even when we feel big, we walk into a store and they still have our size. Um, but they put the smallest sizes right up front. So then it's like the shame of like sorting through the clothes as you get to the bigger sizes and then you want to have to put them back, but you don't want. So there's so much, there's so much built in shame, um, that yes. And then, and then I think this is where we have to then look at ourselves because, we have to check in with our own fat phobia and our own, um, discomfort with it because the truth, if we're talking about truth with capital T the truth is that there's nothing wrong in there's nothing wrong with the fact that like, I mean, it's annoying that sizes are inconsistent. It's totally annoying and it makes it really hard to buy clothes, but there's nothing wrong because the truth is that it doesn't matter if you wear a size two or if you wear a size 10 or if you wear a size 20, but, We subscribe to the, we subscribe to the mythology of our culture that says smaller is better. And we have to because we live in a world where women's, where women's value is again put on looks and we are told that it looks a good way to look a certain way. So I think we have to really sort of check in with ourselves as well. I don't think we move past that. Without sort of checking in with ourselves, and you're totally right. It's so obnoxious, mm-hmm. um, and there's so much shame around different sizes. I I had to I I, I have not tried on my clothes from pre-COVID. Um, I know I know that the audience can't see us, but I am a I am a thin woman. I have no idea how much I weigh, but I think that everybody looking at me would agree. I am a, I'm a thin woman. I have not tried on my clothes from pre-COVID because I'm honestly I'm afraid no matter what. I'm afraid if they fit me perfectly, I'm going to hear the voice in my head be like, oh good, you're so good for staying the same size. And if they don't fit me perfectly, I'm going to hear the voice in my head be like, you were so bad. You shouldn't have had those cookies and ice cream that you were just bragging about having that you can have that you lifted restrictions from. Hmm. And the truth is, is that, I don't think I did anything to my body. I think bodies change. And I was, I hadn't worn jeans in so long that I was like, if I try them on now, it's going to feel weird no matter what, like even if they fit, it's going to feel weird. Mm -hmm. So I, I took a judgment call and just decided, I would just went out and bought clothes that fit. I have no idea what size I was. I have no idea what size I am now, but I'm wearing clothes that fit. And then it, again, it just makes eating. Like I know if I had tries to squeeze into jeans that were too tight on me, I would second guess Having pizza with my family, and I don't mm. want to second guess having pizza with my family because there's no reason I shouldn't have pizza with my family mm. right so um, I love that. you brought up a great point, thanks for sharing that yeah
1: um I also get okay, on the opposite spectrum where we have fat phobia, on the other end, we have like skinny shaming where like you're too if you're too skinny um like then people are like, Oh, when you, you need to eat a little, like you need a burger. Yeah. This
2: is like, have you, have you seen what's going on? Um, have you seen like the media attention? This is going to seem like a tangent, but stick with me. Have you seen the media attention around like the new sex in the city where they're criticizing Sarah Jessica Parker because she's gone natural and gray and hasn't had any work done. And then they're criticizing (sighs) Kristen Davis for having her face redone and like there what? is no way to, there is no way to win no. you can't no have it both ways you, but but this is why this is this is where i say if you recognize that those feelings are not a symptom of something that you're doing wrong right like sarah jessica parker good for her for going great or if you want to die hair, whatever like but she's she's criticized for that and Kristen Davis is criticized for for trying to look younger but so if we recognize that feeling like our body is broken and apologizing for it isn't a symptom of something being wrong with our body but is a symptom of the broken culture that we live in then do we have to respond right then then do we have to play do we have to like fight back or can we just be like yeah you can feel that way that's okay I think I think we also live under the illusion that we have any control over what anyone else thinks of us and mm-hmm. the truth is, is that we don't right like I'm always probably going to be big to some people and small to other people and I don't get a say in what they think about me right mm-hmm. so but, we, but um,
1: we do but we do have to fight back because like there will always be someone younger than us looking up to us be as mothers or Caregivers or teachers or whatever, like we're always going to have someone younger looking up to us. So it, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it does fall on us to like buck the system.
2: I think, I think it falls on us. I don't think you can buck the system without uh, actually, I agree with you, but I don't think you can buck the system without bringing full awareness to the table. So I think where, um, I think where you know the sex in the city argument is a but like nobody like neither woman is retaliating or saying anything, which is totally fine, but like the message goes sort of unscathed whereas when if 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 what if like Sarah Jessica Parker was able to say, well, I thought about dyeing my hair, but I also didn't want to like then sort of buy into the mythology that women have to dye their hair. And what if Kristen Davis was like, I was really afraid that my face was aging because I was told that I was of so much value when I was of a certain age that I felt the need to keep it. Like all of a sudden there's a real conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think it's our job to try and end it, but I don't think that it just ends by either not dyeing your hair or not getting your face done. Like, I think that it ends by recognizing why you're doing what you're doing
1: yeah it Um, ends by communicating yeah yeah talking about it
2: and that being said i don't think that like at if you're talking about it and you're bringing full awareness to the table then there's nothing that's off limits then you can be the person who doesn't dye their hair or the person who gets like their face done and you don't have to be bad for either one right because we're no Mm -hmm. longer buying into this good or bad mentality because part of the problem with our shaming culture. And if you're buying into this good or bad mentality, which goes with food, which goes with exercise, which also goes with like facial creams and retinols and plastic surgery and all that stuff is that if you do one, you're good, which means if you do the other, you're bad. But the truth is you're not good or bad for either of them, right? You're a woman making peace with the parts of her body that make her comfortable enough to leave alone. And then you're you're taking action on the pieces that aren't comfortable enough for you to leave alone. And that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. There's space for all of it.
3: Yeah. I really like that you say that because like, as you're talking, I'm thinking about myself and I've been battling whether or not to color my grays. And then, but like a big part of me is like, this is just like, I'm okay with this, Mm -hmm. but I'm not okay with like my face looking too old. So I Mm -hmm. use the night creams and the retinol and, Like, you know, I want certain, like my legs, like my legs tone up real quickly, but
2: Mm -hmm. it's my
3: midsection that doesn't. And Mm -hmm. so I work harder to make that look like something I want it to look like. And it is just like, I have just, without even realizing it until you say this, I've been picking and choosing like Mm -hmm. what battles I want to fight and which ones are just, this is me now.
2: But again, that's not, that's not a bad thing. And to bring the mindfulness to it where you're now able to say, Oh, okay. Gray hair doesn't make me. I mean, they're all triggers, right? So I've been talking lately about how so often with triggers and I'm reminding myself of this as I am in a giant house with my parents who are incredibly triggering is like so often the tendency with the trigger is when we have a trigger, it's, it, it, Stirs something in us that we kind of believe like even if we don't really believe it like even if we believe that women are totally fine if they have uh, if they have gray hair or if they have like an older face even if the 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 trigger um or in you know or in some people's case like with family if they're like oh wow look at how much you eat that's so impressive like it's it stirs up the part of you that's like oh shit it's not okay right and so often with the triggers we go and we attack the trigger and try and convert the trigger. So if I can convert this person that how much I'm eating is okay, then it'll be okay. Or if I can convert this person that um, that this lip procedure is right, then it's right. The truth is, is that what we need to then tend to is the part of us that was triggered, which is the part of us that we're used to calming down every single day that we have these real conversations with where you're like, yeah, the gray hair doesn't bother me, but this kind of does. You can have that conversation rationally, mm-hmm. but when we're around these triggers, it's sort of like, we pull ourselves out of ourselves and start attacking the triggers instead of just coming back in. And you can talk yourself down where you're like, oh, you know what? Actually, yeah, I am okay with this, but I'm not okay with that. Or, um, you know, I talk about the power of sitting in our discomfort and if we can sit, if we can sit in our discomfort and be comfortable then I just feel like we could totally take over the world, you guys. It's
1: just it all come like I feel like every single time we talk about something, it always comes back to Glennon Doyle's book. freaking Untamed. Like she constantly talked about that, sitting in your discomfort and like mm-hmm. feeling it and then addressing yep. it. And like it you're so right. Like um, instead of worrying about what it is outwardly that is bothering you, worry about why does it bother you? why does it bother you? You know, why is that a problem for you? And then address it. So good. So
0: what would be some good resources? I feel like this would be an excellent note to end on for somebody that wants to work on this stuff. What are some recommendations that you have like resources somebody could seek
2: out? Yeah. Um, well I do one-on-one coaching, which feels a lot like this, but, um, but there's fewer of you at the time. Um, And so, and we get to work on the stuff that's specific to you. Um, But then if you're kind of looking to do it more on your own, I have a workshop called Mastering Mindful Eating. It's three easy lessons. Um, It's three lessons, three videos with an accompanying workbook PDF that you can print out and do on your own at your own pace. um, That's going to help you identify uh, some of the stuff that I talked about tonight, like your food triggers, your food rules, rules that you have around food, where, where you're subscribing to good food, bad food mentality and where you're letting it go. Um, cause so much of this stuff is stuff that we think we're not doing, but we are. So it's going to really teach you how to have a conversation with yourself. Cause some of the conversations I've been saying we should be having, um, And so it breaks it down into three easy lessons. It's $37. You can do it on your own. Um, And you can find that at bodyrelationship.com backslash mindful eating. Um, And I will let you ladies know because um, I'm also doing, uh, I told, I, I, well, I'm also doing the day after Thanksgiving, I'm doing a, um, special because Thanksgiving is a day when so many people then feel like they need to atone for it afterwards. Um, so I'm going to be doing a group coaching session. It's going to start with a group check-in Then we're going to do 50 minutes of exercise where we explore our relationship to exercise and why we feel we need to do it in the moment. And you'll hear me say stuff like, why are you pushing so hard? What would happen if you just stopped right now? Um, are you not stopping? Cause I'm not stopping. What if I stop? So I do that sort of stuff as we work out and then we will do a 10 minute meditation and then we'll have a group coaching session, which will feel more like this because there'll be a lot of people there, but we'll sort of check in and see where everybody is with their body. Um, and where they're feeling like they should do something versus shouldn't do something because of the holiday. Um, and anybody who buys my mastering mindful eating workshop before Thanksgiving, I'm gifting the, um, the day after too. And I'm also, uh, I'm inviting you, you ladies. My gift to you as a thank you for hosting this lovely evening is um, that I will be sending you all the link as well so that you can participate and join. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you. So there you go. And Was that more we, than you were asking for? Where, um, <laughs> where can they follow
1: you on social medias? We should, we should yeah. put that in our, in our uh, what did we call it? The details, the notes of the yeah. podcast.
2: I'm, I'm, if you, if you want to find my website, it's bodyrelationship.com. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram. I'm bodyrelationship underscore coach. Um, okay. and, uh, and actually anybody who's following me has already, has already heard. Cause I'm doing like in time stories with how to handle triggers and everybody already knows my mom's bugging the fuck out of me. So, um, <laughs> my mo- did, My mom's not Did your Instagram. mom follow you? no my mom's not on you guys i had i had an anxiety nightmare like a week ago where i was do i was doing i was doing in my in my dream i was doing an insta live with a with with someone i've been doing an insta live with who has like a large following and all of a sudden my dad pops on and i was like (laughs) What are you doing here? And I was like, you're not on Instagram. And he's like, well, your mom and I decided to start following you. And then I was like, but no, like you guys are my whole (laughs) shtick. Like you guys are what I'm going to talk about for the next hour. And then I didn't know what to say. It was horrible. I like it was hor- it was a horrible, horrible dream. It was a horrible dream. Anytime um, they ask you it.
1: if they should get on Instagram. No, you're not missing anything. It's no, just it's, no. there's nothing they, good.
2: No, but but they wouldn't the the truth is, is that um and I don't want to sound like I'm just shitting all over my parents. So but um the thing is is that I don't the truth, I don't think that they speak this language. Um because they, you know, <laughs> Uh, they, they, they still refer to me as a personal trainer. Um, They, they, my dad uh, about a month ago was like, Hey, how's that, how's that relationship stuff you do? Um, How's that going? Um, And so, and, 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 and they hear me talk. We have such a different vocabulary around our body and food with my kids than my, my, than my parents have. They hear me. um, I try not to correct them, but to sort of when they say something like, oh, I shouldn't, uh, you know, around a food because I'm teaching my kids not to have that instead of correcting them. Cause that would be obnoxious. I try and say stuff like, you know, people can feel different ways about food. So there's such a different energy around things, um, that, and they, they don't, they don't get it. And that's because I think they've been such a part of diet culture for so long, um, that they can't even see through it anymore. And so, um, in conclusion, we are all just victims of diet culture, but, um, but I don't like, I don't think, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't think you were even asking this, but like, I just don't think that they, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not angry (laughs) that they don't understand. I think that this is like, I think we all learn things when we're ready. And I think that, that they are, there is a lot of For those of you at home struggling with your relationship with diet culture there is a lot of comfort that comes out of leaning into diet culture diet culture promises a lot of really nice things and it doesn't always make good on those promises but um it's hard when you're in a world that is literally like flooded with diet culture it can be hard to break away from that and i as much as i want you to break free and become immune to diet culture um, and, to, and to learn how to make peace with your body even as you try and work on it. I also want you to not feel like an asshole when you do something diet culture because it's going to happen, because it happens to me sometimes. And to know, again, just like the body positivity, you don't have to be 100% positive 100% of the time, that you are not a bad person. If we don't subscribe to good or bad, then you are also not a bad person for occasionally subscribing to diet culture myths. Because we all do. I still figure out new – I still discover on the regular – Ways in which I am partaking in diet culture and ways in which I buy into the mythology. So I want to give you all permission to not be angry at yourself for for doing it. Sometimes I think we're des- I think that it's set up for us to do. Um, so I'm that was a very long winded way of saying I'm not mad at my parents, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I'm not I'm not mad at my parents. Um, I think they're doing the best they can, and the truth is is that I think it's really sad. Um, Mm -hmm. honestly, that, that diet culture, that they're so locked into so much of this, that they have, um, not only missed having the type of relationship that I would like to have with them, but that also that they're, that they're unable to sort of see what their daughter's doing, Mm -hmm. um, and see how their daughter shows up in the world. And that's just, that's just one more thing we get to hate diet culture for, but Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have to put, of all the things I put, blame on my parents for I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give them that one so well I will say
0: I always feel like it is easier to handle stuff like this when you don't feel like you're alone so I think that's probably a really cool advantage to especially the group stuff I know Mm -hmm. um that's a, a big deal so if you're someone that's listening that feels like you could benefit and I don't I don't, I can't think of anybody that probably couldn't benefit from. Shoot,
1: I just benefited from this 55 minutes of talking.
0: <laughs> yeah, <famacies. laughs> So, well, thank you so much for being here. I, this was a, this was excellent.